Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key. And the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, my favorite people. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. I am honored to have my friend Liz Moody back on the podcast. She was on many years ago, but so much has changed in both of our lives since then. We talk a little bit about that in the episode that the first conversation we recorded together was at my kitchen table. And of course, Hudson was there meowing at us. And it's just such a different vibe than the setup that we have today at Dear Media. And today we are celebrating Liz's new book, A Hundred Ways to Change Your Life. And I'm so in awe of her. This is her third published book. And she also has published some conversational card games. And you guys know how I feel about those. I'm obsessed with all things cards. And we pulled some in this conversation today. But really, I was so excited to talk to Liz today about many, many things, including how to write a book. She has written so many books at this point. What is her process for book writing? How did she get an agent? How do you believe in yourself when this is a hard thing to do or can be a hard thing to do? We also talk astrology and human design. We even do the astrology of her book. And I promised in this conversation that I would look up her human design and share it in the intro. So I checked it out. And Liz is a 4-6 generator in human design. And it checks out. It fits her. You can listen to the conversation and on Instagram, come tell us at the end if you agree that she is definitely generator vibes. 
And we just had a lot of catching up to do. So we do that in this conversation. She does this really cool series on her podcast, the Liz Moody podcast, about whether or not to have kids. And her and her husband have been going through that decision for a while. And she just has so many interesting thoughts because I also think this is just not something that most people are willing to discuss, like especially if they have kids. They don't want to discuss that, oh, yeah, like it's really hard sometimes. So we talk about that in this episode and just kind of catch up on where Liz is at with her decision to have kids or not. And we're talking career, we're talking books, we're talking blowing up on social media, which she completely did, by the way. And I'm so proud of her. And yeah, this is just a fun one. I know you're going to love it. I also want to say that I am so excited that we finally have a VIP waitlist available for our Soul on Fire meditations. I'm thrilled. This is the first ever membership portal that I have ever even contemplated creating, but we are putting so much into this. It's going to be next level where you will be able to find life-changing meditations, affirmations, mantras, bonus podcasts, bonus content, live channelings, interactive community, live readings with me, Q&As with me and Jonathan and my spiritual teachers. Like this is going to be crazy and it's launching soon. We don't know exactly when and that's why we've created this VIP waitlist. So I have the link in the show notes. It is just a cute little form where you just put your email and then you're on the wait list and you're eligible for giveaways and all the really fun stuff. And before I talk your ear off about that, there's a lot more to come, but get excited. I definitely am. And with that, let's get into this conversation with the amazing Liz Moody. first person see this book. Yes. Are you kidding me? This I'm is very, so like, beautiful. Wait, I we have to know. show it to the camera. <laughs> I'm going to brag about the fact that I'm the first person to have the full copy. I'm so nervous hands. about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, are the colors right? Like, I love it... the colors. Okay. Also, these colors are so you. Thank you. I feel like the last couple of times that I've seen you, you wear these bright, bright fun colors. colors. Yeah. I remember when I saw you at Soho Malibu from across the place. And I was wearing bright colors. I think I texted you and I was like, are you in Malibu? And are you wearing like a bright colored outfit? Because I think I see you because I never know, of course, where you are because you're nomadic. Exactly. But this is so beautiful. And from what I have dug into so far, it's such a good book and it's going to be so, so helpful for people. So I'm Thank really you. excited. Thank you. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. This is your second time yeah. on the Balanced Blonde podcast. I know. First was at your house. Yes. I was like, can you bring Huddy here? I know. <laughs> I was looking at him when I left this morning, like how I wish I could just bring him with me. I know. That's You're, how I feel about Bella. Have mm-hmm. you ever tried one of the like backpacks with the... He won't let yeah, me. Bella we have one. I have he's a just solely like, baby wrap. Mm-hmm. My friend who's a mom gave me and I really want to try wrapping Bella in it. Oh, my God. You have to. Would she let you? Because Hudson's the kind of cat who will not let me do anything of that nature. We will see. I'll mm-hmm. report back. How old is she? <laughs> oh, God. She's a little elderly baby. She's 14, I want to say. Oh, yeah. baby girl. I know. It's crazy how fast the time goes. It's crazy when I think about 
the things she's seen me through in my life, like she has seen me through college graduation and moving to New York and moving to London and becoming engaged to Zach and marrying Zach and starting my editorial jobs and then quitting my editorial. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, they see you. Our pets see us in a way that nobody else does. No, really at my worst. Truly Mm -hmm. the things that she gets (laughs) Hudson was basically (laughs) present for my labor since I almost accidentally had Atticus at home. Yes. So he was there and he was upset for months. Yeah. Could he sense the energy happening? Was he like mom's in pain? I mean, there was no question about it. I was like writhing and screaming and didn't really realize that the baby was like coming out. So Hudson was really mad at Jonathan. Actually, we talked to an animal communicator because he was so traumatized and he was really mad at Jonathan and said she was in so much pain. Oh my God. And like, you why didn't, didn't you take her. care of her? Oh, and Jonathan's like, I didn't know what to do. Oh and my God. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh my God. So crazy. Is Jonathan cool with the fact that that video went viral? <laughs> yes. Okay, he's God. such a confident person. Yeah. I mean, he's a Leo like you. And he doesn't care at all. I was okay. more affected by people being like, he's horrible. We hate him. Divorce him. And he just likes to play into the bit. So he's like, let's keep it coming. Yeah. I love That's that these smart. strangers hate yeah. me. Yeah. I'm like, okay. That's like the smart thing to do. And sometimes emotionally, I'm like, I could handle that. But most of the time emotionally, I'm like, I can't handle that. I know. I think it's because he's so not a public person that he doesn't really care if half the internet were like, Ew, he's the worst husband ever. Where I think for us being more public facing yeah. people, I don't want my reputation to be it's your weird. Livelihood yeah, as totally. Well. Like, this totally. is literally my job and my ability yeah. to make money in the mm-hmm. world. Totally. You know? So it's super different. Yeah. What about Zach? How does he feel about being shared? So like he doesn't let me share his last name, which I really respect a lot. He designed my book cover. Oh my God. And it literally says like designed by Zach M. <gasps> Wait, <laughs> he's cool. like, it feels very share energy, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. Um, he likes to keep his privacy, but he's super happy to like show up in videos. But mm-hmm. he just doesn't like people to know who he is in real life or be able to track him down or like oh, know wow. his job in real life or things wow. like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. So you guys have a different last name than each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought about taking his last name when we got married because I didn't really care. But so many people were telling me like, Liz Moody is such a good name. I'd already had, I think, one or two books out by then. So I was just kind of like, I'll keep it. Mm-hmm. I know. It's an interesting thing. I think I'm legally... Jordan Albrecht, but I completely go by Jordan Younger. I think it's kind of fun, like Hannah Montana, Mm -hmm. to have the public-facing name and then the private-facing name. I think that's cool. But I also feel like if I have a baby or anything like that, I'm like, I don't know. I carried it in my body. Like, you can take my name, you know? Totally. Well, that's the thing. Like, (laughs) because I go by Jordan Younger so much, like, if I'm filling something out for Atticus, like, he's at this, like, Jimbery thing today, it says Atticus Younger, but that's not his name. But then I'm also like, it sounds so good. They both sound good. I was actually just thinking in my head which sounds better. Mm -hmm. And... Atticus Albrecht sounds really good and Atticus Younger sounds really good. So I, I know. Feel like you can't for different reasons because yeah. it's like the AA. Yeah. But Younger. It's just, I don't it's know. Maybe it's because I grew up with it. Yeah. It's like, just feels so. Well, have you good. heard there's studies that show you're more likely to do a job if it is something to do with your name? So, like, all of my parents are psychologists and my last name's Moody. My sister's a psychologist. Her last name's Moody mm-hmm. because we're all narcissists. And so we <laughs> like the sound of our own name uh-huh. and we like the vibe of our own name. 
I believe that 100%. <laughs> I love the vibe. And yeah. that's why I haven't given it up. Yeah. Like, I love the silly jokes everybody says when I say my last name and they're like, oh, haha, never going to get older. Like, you're like, sure. I know. Yeah. Sounds good. Like, I'm happy to hear it every <laughs> single time. So funny. Let's talk about my favorite topic, which is ketamine therapy. I mean, first, I should say my favorite topic in the world is any type of alternative therapy, especially when it has to do with psychedelics. So, you know, I have suffered so much from anxiety. I had so much postpartum OCD and postpartum anxiety. And sometimes you've just got to do something different and outside of the box to truly unlock your brain to give yourself a new way of thinking about and seeing the world. And for you, like it was for me, that thing could be ketamine therapy. So let me tell you about the best at-home ketamine therapy that I have ever come across. And that is MindBloom. MindBloom is at-home ketamine therapy. They are the leader in this field. They have safely helped thousands of people overcome their anxiety and depression. It is very, very different from traditional talk therapy. Ketamine works quickly and doesn't have the often unpleasant side effects of traditional medication. Although you guys know I support medication as well. In a study of over 1,200 MindBloom clients, 89% reported improvements in their anxiety and depression after only two sessions. And right now, MindBloom is offering our listeners $100 off your first six-session program when you sign up at mindbloom.com slash blonde and use promo code blonde. Take the first step and break free from your anxiety and depression with MindBloom, mindbloom.com slash blonde, promo code blonde. Okay, let's talk about Dime Beauty. I got this package of Dime Beauty last week and my whole family was incredibly jealous. In fact, I noticed that my mom was using some of it and I am just so obsessed. Is there anything that could be more fitting for TBB? I don't think so. So if you're a mom like me, then you know this. Routines are important. We like routines. They help with the chaos of life. That is why I cannot live without this easy and effective routine from Dime Beauty. And it's not just good for your skin. It is so good for everything when it comes to being a busy mom. They are a clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Dime didn't sacrifice performance just to make it clean either. So when I say clean, Dime is 100% transparent about every single ingredient, so you can use their products daily with confidence. My skin is super sensitive, so I have to be careful with what I try, and everything that I've tried from them has been wonderful. They have something called the Works System, which is everything you need in one powerful package. It has a cleanser, a toner, two different serums, a hyaluronic acid, and luxurious moisturizers. It just makes life so easy. They have over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are all five stars. Love your skin again. Go to Dime Beauty co.com and unlock your discount. That is dimebeautyco.com. So excited for you to try. Okay, so you brought your amazing cards. 
Yeah, I just was worried you and Jonathan didn't have enough to talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, of course. You seem really, you know, yeah. like you're having a hard time. For sure. <laughs> so I want to choose a question. I want us both to choose a question. Yeah. And ask each other. Okay. What did you learn about love from your parents' relationship? Oh, I love this one because... I've shared it online before and I'll share it like a little question box and people will be like, "Ugh, I didn't learn anything about love. And I think we can learn things about love regardless of whether our parents have a good relationship. So my parents got divorced when I was two. Mm-hmm. My mom remarried and then got divorced again. My dad remarried and then got divorced again. So I don't really have good relationship models from them, but I learned so much about what not to do about mm-hmm. love. I learned that I wanted somebody who really felt like a life partner to me. I think a lot of the attributes that I look for in love and Zach, I highlighted and I intentionally sought out because of what I didn't see in my parents' relationship. So I learned a lot about what I wanted the shape of my life to look like. I think that teammate element, that partner element, that we're really in this together. This is my best friend. We're going to talk about everything over communication. I did not grow up in a communication household. I grew up in a when we're mad at each other, we silently slip past each other in the Mm -hmm. hallway. And there's just that like energy and tension household. And so Zach and I communicate about everything. And it is so satisfying. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a good answer. I love that. Wait, do I get to pull one for you? Yes, you get to pull one. I love how tall this stuff. No, just just dive on in. I feel like I'm going to do a growing up for Mm -hmm. you too then. We're going to do what was your favorite food growing up? Because I'm actually curious. Yeah. Salt and vinegar chips. I had a screen name called Salt and Vinegar Chick because I was so obsessed. So much, yeah, with like ranch dip. (laughs) I'm so into it. And then, what was your first memory of feeling independent? Oh, that's a really good one. I think there was like the false independence of when I went to like sleepaway camp for two weeks, which when you're a kid, it feels like months feels like a lifetime did you and like just, it or were you like crying uh, as you were leaving so home? I liked it a lot the first time and then I went to a different one the following year and I hated it so I think it just had a lot to do with like the people and the cabin that you get put in and just that whole environment so I went to camp one year and my aunt came and visited and was like this is appalling. Like, what is the living conditions uh-huh. that they're making you be in here? And I yeah. thought it was so nice. I was like, I'm with all my friends. We get pizza for dinner. Uh-huh. This is the dream. Where did you go? Or like, It's called Maine Teen Camp. Okay. And it was all teenagers. And I think that was like the cell. Mm-hmm. But it was just like pretty dilapidated conditions. Mm-hmm. I still, it was like one of the best summers yeah. of my life. Yeah. I love that yeah. so much. Because yeah. you grew up in Berkeley? No, I was Tucson till I was 14 uh-huh. in Arizona. And then I went to high school in Modesto, California, right. which is in the central. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're Central Valley, baby. Mm-hmm. And then went to Berkeley for college. Right. Okay. Then now I remember. I knew that you were like Northern California yeah. in some way, shape and or Zach's form. from Berkeley, like born mm-hmm. and raised. So that's where we often go back to. That's kind of like our home mm-hmm. base. Love it. So something I'm so excited to talk to you about is your process for writing books. Oh, my goodness. Because you have written now three Three. published books, but I also know you and you're probably working on another book or like have other ideas. Mm -hmm. And how do you get it all done? How do you like actually do it? I also love that you said three published books because I have a number of books that aren't published. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to talk about since we often just see the results. We see the end product. We see the books that are successful and getting all the press and the praise. But I got my first agent when I was 
18 or 19, I wrote a memoir, which amazing. Is significantly too young to write I a did memoir. The same thing, so I understand. <laughs> but my mom had gotten in this accident when I was two years old and it just sort of broke apart my family. That was the reason my parents got divorced. And I got told a lot of disputed truths around that event. Mm-hmm. And I was really trying to kind of get to the objective truth of that situation. And so I wrote this memoir. I got an agent. I was like, I'm going to be an ingenue. Everybody's going to be obsessed with me. I literally said to my agent, I was like, Cosmopolitan doesn't put authors on the cover of their magazine, but we can change that. Oh my God. I love it. I love the confidence. It's so Leo. Big dreams. Mm -hmm. And then that didn't get published. She couldn't sell it to a publisher and it was devastating. And then I wrote another book. She was like, memoirs are really hard to sell. Maybe try fiction. I wrote a book of essays. And then that didn't get sold. And then I wrote a novel and that didn't get sold. And so I think talking about the failures along the way is really important. I learned so much both about the publishing process, about my own writing process, about who I wanted to be as a person. I just did an episode about how to get out of a slump. Mm -hmm. And somebody was saying they're afraid to try things because they're afraid to fail. And the most successful people I know just fail over and over and over again. Because like, first of all, it's a numbers game. Like the more you try, the more you're going to fail. But the more you try also, the more you're going to succeed. So literally numbers are on your side. And I think that happened with my books. But second of all, I think teaching yourself that you're resilient and that you can handle failure is one of the most powerful things you can do for your psychology. Mm-hmm. I feel impervious to failure at this point. This book could come out and everybody could be like, well, okay, that was nice. And then mm-hmm. it's over. And I'd be like, okay, on to the next. Oh, that's a good place to be. You know? And mm-hmm. I think that you only get there through failure. So there is never a failure that is not a success in some way. Mm-hmm. The writing process. I think... A lot of people, and I used to think this myself, think that like you have to be creatively inspired and then you're going to sit down and you're going to channel book. And maybe you do this because you're actually good at channeling creative energy and things like that. (laughs) And you can like have this burst of inspiration Mm -hmm. and sit down and type, 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 type. And I have friends who do that. By and large, the successful writers that I know do not do that. They set a word count goal for the day. They set a specific time that they have to write. And they vomit out garbage during Mm -hmm. that time, knowing that it will be cleaned up later. That is my process. Mm -hmm. For this book, I did, I think, a thousand words a day was my goal. And I did that every single day. Like, whether or not I had other plans, whether or not I was sick, whether or not it was rainy out, whether or not I didn't get a good night's sleep the night Mm -hmm. before. I did a thousand words a day. Very rarely, I was like, this is genius. You're an amazing Uh writer. (laughs) You, You really nailed it. But most of the time it wasn't very good. And I was just like, I know I'm going to clean this up in editing. So Mm -hmm. I think giving yourself permission to vomit out hot garbage for first draft or first stage of any creative project is so freeing because it's the thing that actually lets you get something out on the page. Yeah. Oh, my God. So seven days a week you would do that? I would do that seven days a week for this book because Mm -hmm. we were trying to hit deadlines. Mm -hmm. Normally, I do five. I'm a big fan of, you know, taking some breaks. Uh (laughs) Totally. Wow. And then how many words did it end up being? It ended up being like 137,000. And then my editor was like, we would like it to be 80,000 words. (laughs) Story of my life as well. And so my initial reaction was not positive. I was like, I'm not going to cut... 50,000 of the words that I've written. But I actually think the book is so much better for that. It's tighter. We consolidated tips. So we were like, oh, tip 89 and tip 127 are kind of similar. Can we put these together? And then that tip is so much stronger because you have several different expert and doctor perspectives. Mm -hmm. And so for me, 
while I shaped it at the beginning, I think it's a much better book for it. So I think it's around 87,000. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, around 87. I'm like, around 87,169 books. Somewhere around there. Yes. No, I get it. I'm the one who's always writing way over the amount of words. And then I don't want to part with them. And then I get really upset. And then I try to put them somewhere else. Like maybe this will just be another book then because there's so much written. But it's true. I can be repetitive. I'm sure you're not necessarily repetitive. No, there was stuff that mm -hmm. was repetitive. I think that we all kind of are attracted to certain like thoughts or mindsets. And we kind of infuse that over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. And I think you can consolidate that often. But my girlfriend, who's a professional novelist, and she writes a lot of really successful books, she literally has a document on her computer and anything she's cutting goes in there so, mm-hmm. so that she doesn't have to deal with the emotional pain of parting with it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I do, too. Even but if you never go back to it. You yeah. Know? Well, you know, it's not just for nothing. Yeah. You know, it's not lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Let's talk about Karma Water. The active ingredients found in pre-mixed vitamin drinks and kombuchas diminish sharply over time, which is something that I've noticed. But Karma's unique push cup protects vitamins and nutrients until you're ready to drink it, ensuring you get the full nutritional benefits. Karma's new hydration kits combine everything I love about the brand's ready-to-drink line of functional waters with an enhanced level of convenience and customization. Each kit comes with a four-week supply of Karma push caps that can be fully customized, and Karma designed a new BPA-free reusable water bottle specifically designed for the patented push cap. Customers can also choose from a combination of Karma's three existing functional lines to create their customized kit, Karma Wellness Water, Karma Probiotic Water, and Karma CBD Water. I love it so much. I think you've probably seen it all over my Instagram. And my favorite one right now is the probiotic water, specifically because my gut has needed some extra love and it is really, really working for me. Visit drinkkarma.com slash balanced for 15% off and free shipping on your first order. That's D-R-I-N-K-K-A-R-M-A.com slash B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D for 15% off and free shipping on your first order. This episode of the Balance Wand Podcast is brought to you by the new L'Oreal Paris Bright Reveal Dark Spot Serum and Broad Spectrum SPF 50 Daily Lotion. Dark spots, game over. I have noticed as I am now getting into my 30s, I'm officially 33, that I have dark spots from the sun. And also we spent so much time outside this summer, especially as a new mom chasing around my toddler, playing pickleball with my friends. It was such a fun summer. And because I live in LA, I know we're going to continue to be in the sun for a while. So no matter what, you're going to want to keep wearing your SPF. I am so obsessed with this product from L'Oreal. It visibly fades all types of dark spots, such as aging spots, sunspots, post-acne marks, which I definitely have. And after 12 weeks, people have found incredible results, 40% less visible on post-acne marks, 43% less visible on dark spots and 49% more even tone. So if you're looking for that glass skin, we've got you. I love that in the serum, it has niacinamide, which is a top dermatologist recommended brightening ingredient. 
I have always found that that really works well with my skin. So the other part of this duo is the SPF 50 Daily UV Lotion. It visibly reduces the appearance of dark spots and also sun-induced signs of aging. 100% of dark spots are intensified by the sun, which I can definitely feel and see in my skin lately. And this is validated by dermatologists and it really, really works for all different types of skin tones. Okay, so when you pair those together, this dermatologist validated duo visibly reduces the look of dark spots in just one week. And of course, this is something that you're going to want to try. Discover the new Bright Reveal Dark Spot Duo. Visit Target online and in-store to buy yours today. Okay, that's amazing. That's so inspiring. So a thousand words a day. Yeah. Rain or shine, no matter what. And that's such a good point because you said the thing about the channeling and waiting for the burst of inspiration. And that's what I was doing for years, but it wasn't going anywhere because you don't feel that way very often. I would feel it like at the spark of the full moon or I'd be like up all night like this is amazing. I'm such a creative genius. But then it would just live on my computer because you have to have consistency to get something like this out into the world. A hundred percent. And I also think that inspiration comes in the doing. And I think we don't talk Mm -hmm. about that enough. I think action often leads the thing that we want to feel. I think that for my anxiety, for instance, if I sat around and waited to not be anxious, I would probably be back bed bound with my agoraphobia. But mm-hmm. instead, I do the things like, what do I want my day to look like anyways? How do I want to feel? And I let the action be the thing that starts to like push away at that anxiety, that starts to chip away at that anxiety. And I think for writing, it's really the same thing. Like, I want to be creative. I want to have creative output. I do that by being creative. And then that makes me more creative. Sitting down and writing and I'm on word 500 and then it's really flowing and I'm feeling Mm -hmm. it and I'm inspired and I'm creating what I want to create. So I think that asking ourselves, like, what would the person that we're trying to be do in this moment can be really helpful to doing that thing rather than waiting and just like Mm -hmm. doing it anyway. Yeah, that's such a good tip. I saw this quote that said, writing is not fun. Having written is fun. Oh my gosh. Every writer I know feels that way. Totally. Like I think it can be fun when you get in the flow, but definitely not when you're like, oh shit, I have to do this because I committed to it and my brain is foggy and I'm not in the mood. That's not fun. But after you've written thousand words or whether you've gotten in the flow or not, that's fine because you're sticking to your goals. Yeah. I think I've been trying to practice a lot recently is that we learn to trust ourselves by keeping the promises that we make to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so simply by saying, I'm going to write a book and then writing a book, you're teaching yourself that you can trust yourself and self-love is built off of self-trust. Because otherwise, if you're looking like in the mirror and you're saying, oh my God, you're amazing. I believe in you. I love you. But Every other thing you've said to yourself that day has been a lie. You've said you're going to go for a walk. You haven't. You said you're going to work on your writing. You haven't. You're like, well, why would I believe you when you're telling me Mm -hmm. all this positive stuff about me? So I've been really trying to practice making those promises to myself and then keeping them and trying to build that relationship with myself so that I 
trust when I say that I'm going to do something. And I trust when I say that I think or feel something. It's the most life-changing thing we can do. I was the person forever. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to Pilates today, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to not do it because I'm like, oh, I deserve a day off. (laughs) And I think that sits in the back of your brain. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think it niggles away and you're like, oh, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm capable of. I don't know if I can trust what I'm saying about and to myself. Yeah, you get to the point that's like, I can't do that. <laughs> like, I must be incapable mm. because I just am not doing it. So yeah. it's it's super inspiring to see you doing it. It's amazing. This is out in the world. A question that I had for you. Yeah. A lot of people write in to me, how do I get an agent? I want to write a book. Mm. What's the first step? You know, what did that look like for you? Because you had your first agent when you were a teenager. I'm assuming different person now. Mm -hmm. So my favorite tip for getting an agent is to go to the bookstore, look at the books that are similar to the type of book that you want to write, flip to the back, the acknowledgement section, 99.9% of people are going to acknowledge their agent. Mm -hmm. If they're not acknowledging their agent, that's probably not an agent Mm -hmm. that you want to work with. So I would say flip to the back, look for the acknowledgement section and see who they're thanking as their agent. And then Google that person. They'll probably say like open or close to queries. Queries are the little notes that you send people to say, I want to write a book. This is what my book's about. And then you they'll usually have instructions for how you can query them. So you can kind of make a list of like, Like I thank my agent in the back Mm -hmm. of my book. And if your book that you want to write is similar to my book, then my agent might be somebody that you would want to send an email to. Mm -hmm. I also think you can Google so much. Like my first book that I got published, I literally Googled how to write a cookbook proposal. And then I made a cookbook proposal based on one that I found online. Like there was just an example one. I was like, okay, I'll do exactly this. Like you can Google so much. And I think starting broad, how do I write a book? And then you'll probably get some article that's like, first you do a query, then you find an agent, blah, blah, blah. And then following those specific steps. So then you can Google like, how do I query? How do I find an agent? And there's so much available online these days. Mm -hmm. I know. It's so true. It's so empowering. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we just have so much more information than we have ever had. And sometimes that can feel obviously daunting to navigate. But it's also cool that anything you want to do, probably somebody has shared some information mm-hmm. that will help you on your journey. Yeah. Oh, I know. There's everything out there now. It's kind of, I mean, it's, it is empowering. It's incredible. Do you have an agent? I, I do. Just, okay. Are you going to use the same agent that you did for your last? Yes. Yeah. So I've thankfully had her for like nine or 10 years. Oh my God. She's grown so much. I was her second client. Do you know Jessica Mernan? Yeah. Any chance? Oh, she was her first client, Aww. and she's you know One the best client. And yeah, Sarah found us when we were like babies, starting out, and she was starting out, oh, and God, now I love that. she's huge, and she has all these like massive celebrity clients. Like and I'm you. just like, I've had to come a long way within myself to like step into this next phase because my first book was a memoir at 21 and you're 22. I don't resonate with it. That's something that I've had to just let go of and just move on from. And it's just life. I think that's interesting to say, too, because we do put so much pressure on our projects to be like, this is going to be who I am forever. Mm -hmm. This is going to represent me forever. And most people don't feel that way. They feel like it was resonant at the time. It was the best thing they could produce at the time. And now they're a different person and they'd probably produce something different. And that's okay. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd just be editing forever. Or at least (laughs) I would be like, because it changes and it's a snapshot of life. That's what I try to think of. 
Somebody told me it's like the wave in an ocean and it's like mm. a snapshot of that wave. I love that. Six months later, that wave is gone. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that that can't help so many people who are at that stage in their life. Yeah, I love that. I, <laughs> I had an old writing professor who said never take more than three years on a creative project because who you are after three years, you'll just want to start everything <laughs> from the beginning again and then you'll be caught in this process yeah, it's of horrible. constant no, revision. It's so sad. Yeah. I mean, I've done that to myself, so yeah. I totally get it. Are you working on another book? Not at this moment. I'm really focused on my podcast. I'm focused on this book and I'm focused on regaining my mental health after mm-hmm. the process of writing this book. Yeah. Talk to us about that because I know that you're you're out here in LA right yes. now. You're doing tons of interviews. So dedicated to this wonderful (laughs) book. And that's, of course, you know, part of the process. Yeah. So how are you taking care of your mental health? So I have little things and I have big things. I would say little things wise, I am trying to, I guess this is a big thing, honestly, but I'm trying to eat really well. I'm trying to pay even more attention to the things that give my body energy that help me sleep well. I'm paying a lot more attention to, for instance, keeping my blood sugar super stable. I always think that's important. There's literally a tip in the book about that. But I'm more dedicated to that than I would maybe be in my normal life. I'm meditating every single day, which, again, I do in my normal life, but I'm not normally this dedicated to it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find little micro breaks for myself. So there's a tip in the book about doing micro workouts, which I absolutely love. So that's these like two minute, three minutes of moving your body throughout the day. And there's actually really interesting research that shows that that can be more beneficial for our overall health and particularly for our glucose, but also for things like creativity and longevity than doing one bigger workout. So if you have to choose between little tiny micro workouts speckled throughout your day or one bigger workout, like the micro workouts, the one you'd want to choose. So for instance, after this interview, I'm going to just like go walk around for five minutes, you know, and I think that little five minutes can be enough of a reset. But often we feel like we should just reach for our phones and Mm -hmm, kind of sit there. We're like, oh, like my brain needs a break. But our brain actually gets a better break by just going for a micro walk outside. Or Mm -hmm. if we can't do that, like five squats in this Mm -hmm. office would help me a lot and just get the blood flowing. So I'm trying to be really, really good at between meetings, like all these little micro breaks throughout my day. I am trying to spend as much quality time with my husband as I possibly can. I'm reading every night. I'm really prioritizing my sleep right now because I just think sleep is such a foundational health thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm never on my phone before bed. I have the room really cool. I got my weighted blanket. I've got all of those types of things. I'd say those are like the main things. Yeah, those are amazing tips. I mean, I have to say when I was reading your book this morning and I got to that part about the micro workouts, I got out of bed. I did like jumping jacks. I did the stretches that I always tell myself I'm going to do. But then I was like in a rush, of course. And then I saw that and I saw, you know what? That's going to feel really good. And it's enough. I think a Mm -hmm. big theme of my book and of what I do on my podcast and what I do on all my channels in general is just like, Often we're setting the bar too high and then things get intimidating and we're like, oh my gosh, I have to do all these supplements. I have to do all these different habits. I have to work out for this long to reach my goals. But often we haven't even stepped back and been like, what are my goals? Like, what Mm -hmm. am I trying to attain? One of the first tips in the book is called find your why. And I think that is so incredibly important for us finding the motivation that we need to do things. If you're just kind of like, oh, I'm doing it because this influencer online does it that's not going to be something you're going to be able to stick with later. But if you're doing it because you're like, oh, my mental health benefits so much when I move my body throughout the day, that's going to be something that you're going to be like, oh, I need this for my mental health. This is really helpful. I'm seeing real results. I'm motivated to continue to do this. So I think figuring out your why is both going to 
save you a ton of money. It's going to save you a ton of time and it's going to help you actually stick to the habits that you need to achieve your goals. Such a good tip. Yeah. Back to the sleep, because I wanted to ask you, what is your sleep chronotype? I was reading your book, The Sleep Chronotype. My audience knows I'm obsessed with that topic. I'm a night owl for sure, Mm -hmm. for sure. I know you're dolphin, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I'm like full, full, but I I tend towards a night sleep schedule. And so I'm always trying to do the things that pull my circadian rhythm back to a baseline. That's another huge thing I'm doing Mm -hmm. for my mental health is being so strict about my circ walks in the morning. I do a walk five to 10 minutes outside, like literally first thing. I roll out of bed, I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth and I get my little sippy cup and I go walk around outside to try to pull your circadian rhythm. So if you go outside in the morning, you're going to pull your circadian rhythm forward in the day. So you're going to feel more tired at night. And if you go outside in the evening, you're going to push your circadian rhythm mm. back. So you're going to feel less tired at night and you're going to push your bedtime That's back. That's why it's so... <laughs> I love to go on walks in the evening. Yeah. Like, Just wear sunglasses. I'm a That's night actually person. really... Like if, if oh, you're cool. going on a walk at dusk and you don't want to push your circadian rhythm back, you can wear sunglasses. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to talk about this brand, Live Conscious. It couldn't possibly be better timing for me to talk more about their incredible products because number one, ever since they sent me a package to my house from a different influencer, probably like six months ago, I became obsessed with their products. I love their Beyond Collagen and their Beyond Brew. And the reason that I say the timing is perfect is because my nutritionist just recommended that I include collagen in basically everything that I do. So I put collagen in my coffee every morning, and then I also put it in my chia pudding. So I use this Live Conscious Beyond Collagen twice every single day. It is a collagen complemented by extras. It has five types of collagen protein. It also has biotin and vitamin C. It was crafted to take your collagen experience to the next level. If you don't know much about collagen, it is imperative to the beauty of your hair, skin, nails, and joints. It's amazing for collagen synthesis in the body, and it just makes you radiant from the inside out. I also love their Beyond Brew because it has six super-powered organic mushrooms in it, including lion's mane and reishi, and it just tastes amazing. So of course, we have a special deal for you. For a limited time, get your next purchase of Beyond Collagen with an exclusive 15% off for the Balanced Swan listeners only. Simply use promo code BALANCED on the site. And you can find that perfect link for you in the show notes. What is your favorite tip in this book? Again, it changes all the time because you can read it straight through and that's amazing. But this book is really meant to be a handbook. So at different moments in your life, maybe one moment in your life, you're like having some gut struggles. So you'll go to the have a healthy, happy gut section. You'll flip through it. You'll find a tip that suits you at that time. Maybe one time in your life, you're trying to really prioritize your friendship. So we have a section for that. It's really meant to be like a little poo-poo platter where you can pick and choose the things that resonate with you and that are your why. They fit your why at that time. For me, for right now at this moment, I will say there's a tip in the book about rewiring your neural pathways for happiness that I love. It's from research from Dr. Rick Hansen. And basically the idea is like your brain is a meadow, essentially. It's just like a clean, beautiful 
meadow, all of the grass is really high. And when we think thoughts, we trod through that meadow and we push down the grass and we start to make those paths. So if you're thinking thoughts like, I'm stressed, I hate myself, everything's Mm -hmm. awful, you're making those pathways through the meadow. And then what your brain wants to do in future moments when you're thinking future thoughts is take the pathways that are the easiest to see that are the most carved out. So he does this thing where when you have a good moment and it can be really tiny, it can be cuddling Bella is a big one for me where I'll just be cuddling her. I'll smell her neck fur and I'll sit there and you want to linger in it for a little bit longer than you normally would. And you want to amplify that feeling a little bit more than you normally would. So if you're hugging your partner, if you're reading a really good book, I was sitting out in the garden reading the other night and I was just like, this is so lovely. Like this is such a nice moment. And so I took the moment to notice the good to turn it up a little bit and sit in it a little bit longer. And what that does is it carves those pathways in the meadow so that your brain is more likely to feel good and think good thoughts in the future, even when you're not trying to, because again, it's going to try to take the easiest path Mm -hmm. to tread and you're making that path easier to tread. So I love that tip because it takes literally five seconds. You can do it without anybody knowing. It doesn't cost anything. You can do it throughout the course of your normal day, but it makes you feel better on future moments with no effort necessary. Mm-hmm. I love no effort necessary. And it necessary. can <laughs> totally change your life. Yeah. And yeah, no effort necessary, but so life-changing. Yeah. That's been definitely one of the most life-changing things for me, just kind of getting out of that habit of thinking the same old pattern, negative thoughts, and really switching over to those positive ones, even if you have to fake it until you make it. Yeah, I have a hard time forcing myself to think new thoughts. So I think for me, it's the noticing when good things Mm -hmm. are kind of inherently happening. Because otherwise, I do feel sometimes, I tend to be a little bit more of a cynic. I tend to not tend towards belief as much as I maybe would like to. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes if I'm just like, everything's great, like I don't believe that. But Mm -hmm. I love that this is real neuroscience. It's grounded in neurobiology. It's grounded in what's actually happening in your neural pathways. Yeah, that's such a good tip. Yeah. For all the people listening who feel more like you like because I think do you have those people I feel like your people are are just like more Um, they're better at believing than me I I think so I think and I love that I do too I'm jealous of it I think you're becoming that way especially by me reading so many of these tips in the book like they're so aligned with that way of thinking But yeah, there's always the people who are like, well, I just can't be as optimistic as you. Mm. And I'm not as optimistic as people think. Like I put those thoughts out there. I want to teach that to everybody else, but I still have a hard time on my own. So what do you think is like the biggest difference between how people perceive you and how you feel like you are in real life? Wow, that's such a good question. (laughs) I've been told by some of my friends, my real, real life friends who are not in this industry whatsoever, that they'll listen to the podcast and they're like, you're kind of like a character on your podcast. Mm. And I didn't really agree at first because I really feel like this is me. This is who I am. I'm definitely not acting or anything. But I think there's some degree of like you show up the way that you think people want you to. So Mm. I show up to my audience. I'm always going to try to have the positive spin. I'm not just going to say, you know, this was really hard and then not give some kind of tip on like, well, let's make it better. Otherwise you're kind of like, why am I talking about this? Like you're like, I'm using people's time and I'm sharing a hard thing. I, you want, I think the inherent human desire is to share a lesson or share something that you got from the situation. Yeah, which I think is hopefully also how I am in real life. Like I'm not just like a big complainer. But yeah, I think the misconception is that I am just like 
so ethereal, so spiritual. How could I ever connect with like people who are just so much more grounded? And I think I'm just more normal than people might think. Like You're all the things. Like mm -hmm. that's what I connect to about you is I think if you were just spiritual and floating off in space, like I don't feel like I would connect to you as much. Mm -hmm. But like all people are all the things. And I think that learning to give space for that is one of the most helpful things in forming relationships and being a human being. Totally. What about you? Do you feel like your audience has misconceptions about you? I don't think they have misconceptions about me. Everybody who meets Zach in real life is always like, oh my God, he's the extrovert in the relationship. Oh, wow. And they didn't realize that, but he definitely is. Like I'm an introvert. I think a lot of people who are online are because it's like you picture us as talking to this big audience, mm -hmm. but we are alone with our phone mm -hmm. <laughs> camera. That's like, why we chose it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's more common than people think. But yes, Zach's definitely the one who gets the energy. He never wants to leave the party. Like, and I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm ready to go home and read a book now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's just like me and Jonathan. Yeah. There's probably no misconceptions about Jonathan because he's, Oh my God. He's I mean, is he as perfect as he like that be my he is a very likable person. Yeah. I seems know I don't think very likable. And yeah. he also seems like he's stepped into this dad role so beautifully mm -hmm. too. Totally. He's such a good dad. He does so much. And I think when people ask me what's it really like to be a parent and how do you deal with all the hard aspects, I think about it and I'm always just like I have Jonathan, like if I was just a mom who had a partner who maybe like I was the one who really wanted to have the child. So a lot more fell on me. It's just not like that. Super thankful for him. Yeah, he seems like a gem. Mm -hmm. What are you guys thinking about kids? I love <laughs> the open dialogue that yes, you've had. Yes. So I hope it's not an annoying question. No, but I, it's not at all. I've, I've set myself up for it. Yeah, <laughs> I send way. people to your podcast when they're like, I don't know if I want to have a kid or Thank not. You. Because you have these conversations mm -hmm. that like nobody has. And I think about it when I'm having like the hardest time. I think about how you've had anonymous people who have said like, I regret having kids and I don't feel that way, but I definitely see how someone could. Well, and isn't it so interesting, too? I get all these comments on my social media like you could never regret having kids. It's literally impossible because they see me trying to decide and they're like, if you have kids, you won't regret mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, I don't feel like we've created a safe space for people to say that they regret it. And the second you create that safe space, you definitely do. I had, though, this psychologist in my podcast, Dr. Robert Waldinger. I love that guy. Oh, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. His energy is so gentle. I want him to be my uncle. Him and Rick Hansen, I'm like, I'm, I'm working on making them my uncle somehow. <laughs> love. But he said, and I thought this was so interesting because he did the longest study that we have of basically what makes people happy in their life. It's over 80 years. And he said that we're going to have regrets no matter what life we choose. And we really focus often on the regrets of the life we didn't get to live. And I think that that really resonated with me. The idea that if I have kids, I'm probably going to have regrets about that. And if I don't have kids, I'm probably going to have regrets about that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just part of the human experience. And I think that's really freeing. So I think when people say nobody who has children has regrets. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's not true to how we function as human mm -hmm. beings. Like, I think we're always going to be looking at the millions of lives that we're not getting to live and thinking, what would that be like? And that's completely okay. So we are thinking, I did this episode recently with Merle Bombardieri, I believe is the right way to say her name. She's a therapist. She specializes in helping couples decide whether or not they want to have kids. Ooh. She also does infertility counseling. And we did a whole episode about 
how to make that decision and how to navigate all of the questions around that and waiting till later. And what about your fertility if you wait longer in life and things like that? And she said that for many people, and this is not universally true whatsoever, and I definitely recommend people listen to the episode to get more nuance, but for many people, if you can't decide, having one can be a really good option because you kind of get the experience of having a kid, but it doesn't take over as much of your life Mm -hmm. as having two or three or more. And so I think that is what we are leaning towards. I think we're both very curious about the experience, but it's scary. It's really Mm -hmm. scary. It's scary that you can't try it. I know. (laughs) I know. There's no give backs. There's no give backs. Unless you like foster or something. But that's a totally different experience. Yeah, that's a totally different experience. And so I just like it's really scary. It feels like a really big shift in transition. She also said, and I encourage people to listen to the episode for more context on this before they rip me apart, because there's a lot of people who are going to be like, well, what about fertility? Blah, blah. And we address that. But she said that she thinks that the ideal age to have a child is 38. Mm. And I found that incredibly comforting because I think the older that I get, people are just like, you need to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. And I've had my fertility tested. My husband's had his fertility tested. We're taking kind of those steps, but it just gave me a little bit of peace of mind yeah. of waiting a little bit longer. I love that so much. And I've always said, I think it's a myth that, you know, we are not at our peak fertility past 35 or everybody has something different. I know so many people who are having kids in their 40s, like in such a healthy way. I think it's just unique to it's our unique. bodies. Mm-hmm. You totally. Know what I because mean? some people have issues trying to get pregnant when they're in their 20s. I have friends with fertility issues who are in their 20s. Mm-hmm. I have friends with fertility issues in their 40s. And I certainly think, and the science supports this, that it's not like a cliff you dive off when you're mm-hmm. 35. Like, totally. It's not just like, oh my gosh, you went from fertile to infertile. And we sometimes talk about it societally like it is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. It's not like that at all. Yeah. So the best thing to do, the wisest thing is like test your fertility now and just see where you're at. I think the more information that we can have, the better. And also back to like the find your why concept, the more information that we have about our health, the more we'll know about our why. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like if you're like, I am vitamin D deficient, so I am taking vitamin D. That's such helpful information to know versus like an influencer advertised this vitamin D. So I feel like I should take it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I can't wait well, to see. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> and how old are you right I'm now? I'm 37. Okay. Oh, so there you so are. I'm a yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, so you're close. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan's 37, so you're 1986. Yes. And you're a Leo. Yeah, so, so we're the same person. Literally. <laughs> When's your birthday? August 14th. Okay. Wednesday. Yeah. He's July 26th. Okay. So he's like Does that make us 18 different? days older than you. Is it different to be born at different Kind of. of I I mean, I particularly feel that way that like July Leos are different than August Leos. September Libras are very different than October Libras. But also it just depends on your whole chart. My book's in October Libra. Ooh, (laughs) love. What's the vibe there? I mean, I can tell you that firsthand. I'm an October 11th Libra going to be very harmonious. And reading this book, I see that like this isn't the kind of book that people are going to be like upset over like, oh, this is so controversial and I loved it or I hated it. Like people are going to love this book because there's nothing controversial about it. I mean, possibly somebody could get to something where they're like, no, I don't like that. But Libras, they're very balanced. That's what it is. Like Mm. balanced, likable, sociable, all about harmony, like 
equality, just wanting everybody to get something from it. I love that. Well, and also like a lot of the book is like, here's the tools, here's the science, use it if you want. But also we're never losing sight of the fact that we want to feel as good as possible now. My whole thing is I want you to feel as good as possible now and I want you to feel as good as possible later. Mm -hmm. And I feel like often we sacrifice the feel as good as possible now for the feel as good as possible later. We're like not going out with our friends. We're Mm -hmm. stressing about our habits. We're trying to like fit all of this healthy food in. We're depriving ourselves and restricting and all of that. So that feels very balanced. I like yeah. it. The Libra. Yeah. So what's the date? What's October the... 17th. Oh my God. Yeah. October Libra. My sister was trying to do like the sun, moon rising in my book, but we uh-huh. couldn't decide like, is it born in New York? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what time is it born? It's I know. Hard. Yeah. Well, what time is it going to become like, like available? Midnight? So you could do it from there. Yeah. Like East Coast time. Okay. We should do it. And like New York, would you say? Even though it's like, I don't think it's printed in New York. Right. But that's when it's available to the Yeah, I think so. Because I guess it's incubated, not in New York, but it's born in New York. I would say New York. I would go with the East Coast time. Yeah. And then you can see the human design. see the whole thing. Yes. What's your human design? Oh my God. We have to look it up. Yeah. Because do you know your birth time? Yes. Okay. I've texted my mom. 40 uh-huh. times. Okay, cool. <laughs> so we we have to look up your okay. human design. I feel like you would love it. You're just, a manifester? I'm a reflector. Gener- reflector. I'm a reflector. <laughs> On the other end of the table at Olivia's okay. dinner where we both were, I was doing everybody's human design. Oh my God, really? Yes. We were talking so about fun. sex. <laughs> love it. Just a wonderful conversation all the way around. All the way around. Yes. <laughs> so I would guess that you're maybe a generator. Okay. Or a manifesting generator. What does that mean? Or a projector. Actually, I think I'm taking it back. I think you're a projector just because of the way that you are with your energy. So reflectors and projectors, it's called the non-energy types. And it really just means that we're more introverted and need to spend more time alone. We thrive off of working like a balanced amount of hours a day. Like for reflectors, it could be like three hours or less, which... I don't necessarily do, but that would be right (laughs) and similar for projectors. And yeah, we recharge alone. We're really sensitive to other people's energy. The best strategy for projectors is to wait to be invited. So for like work stuff, I don't know if you relate to that. If you are invited on a big podcast, for example, that could no, I'm like you're pitching yourself. I'm pitching myself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. my life motto is never be the one to say no to yourself. I have it in the book. I've shared it on social media and. The idea for me is just that people can say no to you out in the world, but I don't like the energy of saying no. And I think it's different if you're Mm -hmm. like waiting to be invited and you're confident that'll happen. Mm -hmm. Totally. But I love going after the things that Mm. I want. Maybe you're like a manifesting generator. Something else I just wanted to talk to you about was that I really noticed over the last several years, probably since you were on the podcast last. Yeah. I feel like your career has exploded and your presence online has really reached all new heights. How does that feel? And I mean, do you agree? Do you feel like that's yeah, been Yeah, you were kind enough to have me on the podcast when I was like tiny baby. So I definitely think yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I always saw you as very influential, I but really I feel like that. things have really exploded. Yeah, I do. I feel like with the audience of the podcast has grown so much. So I think that's really been foundational. And then a lot more people have found me online and that's been very satisfying, although obviously it comes with its negative parts too. You know, you can always tell when one of your posts goes viral, like it's inside your community. 
everybody's so nice and the comments mm-hmm. are so nice and then you can literally tell the second it tips because the comments just get so mean 100% it goes from being so supportive so kind and then everybody's just like tearing you apart and you're like oh okay great my post has gone viral wonderful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so there's been a lot of that but mostly it's been really fun I feel like the more my audience grows, the more I have access to these incredible experts that I want to interview, that I want to glean all of the information from. And I'm such a curious person. I think curiosity is my superpower hands down. And so getting to have these conversations with these people is so gratifying. And I'm so grateful that the community that I've built enables that and that I can share those people's wisdom with my community mm-hmm. as well. It's like a nice little cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And also TikTok. I feel like you really oh, yeah. blew up on TikTok. I was early on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it amazing. That I think it was like February 2020. And I was like, I should download TikTok. Like I should just do it. Cause I felt like I was so late to every other social media platform. Like by the time I wanted to do YouTube, by the time I started my podcast, I felt like everybody had already started a podcast and I was just kind of like late to the game. And I know now that's not true. Like I'm so glad I started the podcast and Mm -hmm. I didn't let that get in my way. So if you're listening, you think you're Mm -hmm. late, you're You're not late, like you're on your own right timing. So please go for it. But I just remember being like, you should download it. And then the pandemic happened and I think my third video or something like took off and it's fun. Mm-hmm. I love editing videos. That's like when I was in high school, I edited videos for fun. Like I'd make these like little creative video projects and edit them. And so for me, when social media switched from like cute pictures to video and I could be a little bit more creative in that way, I was like, oh, I love this. I'm super mm-hmm. on board. It's not like a pretty picture. It's like, what do you have to say? How are you entertaining? For my personality, I like that a lot. Uh-huh. I think you're really, really good at that. I've noticed. Like, Thank you. The recipe videos, the editing quality, the teachable aspects. Yeah. You're really, really good Thank at that. Thank you. So I have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And I'm not good at just being like, here's a photo of me. You should uh-huh. like, I need to actually, I think that's something I need to work on is feeling like I'm enough simply by showing up and being myself. I always feel like a little bit like I have to provide so much value and like, and Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. I love that element of my brand, but I'm trying to also channel a little, not just like where I'm going to be posting selfies all the time. And that's my whole brand because that's obviously not, but I do think I could become more comfortable showing up just as myself and feeling like enough as that. I love that. I love that goal because it's true. I mean, like you were saying with solo episodes and that kind of stuff, people follow you because of who you are. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see, like, what are you actually doing in your downtime? What books are you reading? Just stuff like that. I guess that's still value, but like, just yeah, (laughs) just a photo, just anything. Yeah. I'm trying to lean into that. And Mm -hmm. I'm doing more solo episodes, which has been really nerve wracking, but really, really fun to not just be like, oh, people are going to show up to the podcast because I have this amazing world class expert. But like, I have something to say, too. And people want to hear that as well. So that's been a fun journey. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. And where can everybody find you and this new book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life, which is such a good title. Thank you so much. It was not our original title. We had to change it because of Oprah. What <laughs> was it before? It was How to Build Your Best Life, which it didn't fit the book because building suggests this idea of like you have to do one and then the next and then the next. And this book is not that. This mm-hmm. book is like you can take tip 47 before you take tip two. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. Well, Tip one, two, and three. I feel like everybody should do first. But you can take tip 47 before you do like tip 22. But then Oprah released a book, which I think came out really recently. And it's called Build the Life You Want. And so like my agent called me one day and she's like, (gasps) 
like Oprah has this, uh-huh. you don't want the same title as Oprah. And so we frantically changed the name. We had like two weeks to think of a new one. My aura ring stats, literally the day I got that call from my agent, my heart rate went up and it didn't go down until we like had oh my God. a new name. Mm-hmm. So you can see the stress in my physical body. I um, love this title. Thank I think you. It's I love it. I think it's, it's so interesting like mm-hmm. how that works out. It is perfect. Yeah. It is the title for this book. So 100 Ways to Change Your Life is available wherever books are sold. You can also just find it at 100waystochangeyourlife.com. I'm Liz Moody on all social platforms. And then I'm the Liz Moody podcast. Amazing. Yeah. yeah you, so you changed the name of your podcast too, yeah, which I, I noticed when I was reading this book, just because it says Liz Moody podcast yeah. everywhere, which is smart. I mean, yeah. just branding all the way around. <laughs> yeah, well, it was so nerve wracking, honestly, but I'm so happy that I did it. I just felt like healthier together. I loved it as a name. I love the community element mm-hmm. of it still. And I'd say that's the part that I'm saddest to lose. But people think of healthy as like, we're going to talk about supplements. We're going to talk about our diet. We're going to talk about working out. And I've always used healthy to be like healthier relationships, healthier finances, like all these broad. We talk about our pros and cons of having kids series, one of mm-hmm. our most popular series. So for me, I wanted a name that could hold all of that. And like we were saying earlier, like we are all the things. Yeah. And so we can, we can create that space for all that. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Well, this was so fun. You're so easy to talk to. Thank always. you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to find out what I am. I know. <laughs> We're going to look it up immediately <laughs> and I cannot wait. Yay. Thank you, my love. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.